again, everybody. Welcome back to the show. This is Back to the Window with Scott and Scott. I am your host, Scott Steen, lead handicapper at winnersandwiners.com. And I'm your co-host, Scott Reichel, senior handicapper over winnersandwiners.com. And together we do this each and every day, 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, as we try to guide everybody and help them in their journey to head back to the window to cash those winning tickets. Well, Scott, you ventured into the city last night to see your beloved uh, Nets play. How'd that go for you? Well, it was a competitive game, so I had that going for me. But I saw a friend of mine who I hadn't seen in about a year, which was nice. Uh, besides that, yeah, my team lost. Not surprised. Absolutely crushed NBA yesterday, though, so I made a lot of money, which definitely helps. But, yeah, it wasn't fun to watch my team get its ass kicked again. Brutal. Just absolutely brutal. Where do the Nets go from now, from here, Scott? Uh, Cancun. Okay. Vacation. Very good. Hanging out with the family. I don't know. Something. <laughs> All right. I kind of meant prof- I've kind of meant in a professional standpoint from the organization, but sure. Let's go I knew what way. you meant. I, I have no idea. There's so much flexibility going on because of all the potential trade ex- exemptions they have. They also have a couple of uh, upcoming free agents with Claxton, with Brown. I don't know what they're going to do with them. Besides that, I don't know what the story is with Simmons. So that's a whole separate can of worms that I'm not going to go down right down into right now. But right. the point is, yeah, it's definitely an interesting time. Kyrie's a, uh, a free agent, too, because he's going to opt out. So there's a lot of question marks. But Durant's going to stay, and apparently he wants Steve Nash to stay. So we'll go from there. I don't know. All right, very good. Tim Earl in the house. What up, Timmy? Timmy's stopping by the show. He was he was at, uh, he was at my last stop, too, when I was uh, just coming over from Just Parlays with Chris King. So I hope you guys uh, had a chance to catch that. Had a uh, talk a little NFL draft up top. And uh, you ready for the draft, bud? Uh, ready is I don't know really know how to put that because yeah, I guess I'm technically ready. I haven't been as involved in NFL props for the drafts as I usually have been, but I've also been looking for potential middles on some actual legitimate sports books. Right, and they don't really exist in New York. New York's really been slacking with the draft, so. There's a couple of offshore spots that might have something. Maybe I'll check the locals, but for the most part, no, I'm kind of limited when it comes to draft stuff. But it's also not exactly a star-packed draft, so to speak, because the quarterbacks are relatively underwhelming. Right. Yeah, I was uh, telling you last night I, I did was able to stake out a middle position on a couple of books with Malik Willis uh, over 10.5, under 12.5. So I've got him 11 and 12 which is the uh, Minnesota Vikings spot, and it's also the, uh, who the hell, it's not the, it's not the Saints, it's not the Steelers, uh, even another team that needs a, uh, even another team that needs a uh, quarterback, Scott. I don't know. Uh, half the league needs a quarterback. Yeah, um, it's, it's the, uh, yeah, it's the, anyway, okay, so anyway, I like, that's, I Seahawks? No, I even I even I even texted it to you who it was. Uh you said twelve or thirteen? Uh no, eleven or twelve. Te- oh, eleven or twelve is the commanders. The commanders, Washington. Yeah. Somebody that needs a quarterback. They've got a placeholder there now. I don't think you don't think Wentz is their guy, do you? No. I'm yeah. I still cannot believe they absorbed the majority, if not all, of that salary and gave draft picks away yep. to Indy. That makes absolutely no sense. Roland says, I'm not taking any stock in the draft here in Detroit. doesn't matter who they pick. The uh, uh, fan and the fans in the media will be hating on the picks. Yeah, I get that. Uh, yeah, the best pick he made recently was an offensive lineman. Well, it wasn't gonna... a sexy pick, but Sewell has been very good so far. I think they're going to get Hutchinson, so that'll be nice. 
They should be. Uh, we can talk about the whole sudden rise for the number one overall pick. I don't get it. I don't get what the hype is. He had a great combine. Right. And at Georgia, he didn't do much statistically. Nope. It's a perfect pick for Jacksonville to make just because you know that their player development is absolute garbage and he's going to be a bust. Okay. Just saying, I feel like a lot of the bust or boom prospect part of it is where you land because a lot of player development, I'd say, personnel in the league are relatively underwhelming. But the Jaguars taking a reach on some upside defensive end dash linebacker does seem like it might backfire pretty dramatically, doesn't it? The framework is there. Yep. Now we've got uh, we've got two uh, Detroit fans, I would assume here. I see and Roland. I see says I really hope they don't draft Hutchison. Roland says I love Hutchison. He played for my favorite team, the U of M. So I think Hutchinson's a steady defensive lineman. I'm yep. not sure if he's athletic as a Bosa, for example, or a Watt, but he's good. I think he'll be consistent. I just feel like you're talking about a situation where you have this sudden riser who's suddenly going to be the number one overall pick, but then why didn't he produce in college? Well, you know, there's and there's a lot of theories about that, you know, about the, the defense that he played in. And, you know, you, you play, you know, because he's really playing the four the four eye spot, which is like the inside inside the tackle. So it doesn't give you a ton of opportunity. You're you're basically just eating blockers. You know, you're you're eating double teams is what you're doing. It doesn't give you a chance, that much of a chance to shine. They think that you know they move and they move him around a lot. And that's one of the things they like about him. The fact that they can move him around. Hutchinson's pretty much locked into that to his one spot. So yeah, but um, I feel like Hutchinson's closer to being a finished project. No question, a finished than product. Yeah, Georgia kid. And as I mentioned before, I think you'd agree. Do you trust Jacksonville's player development personnel? Because I don't. No, we haven't seen anything yet in the last few years that would indicate they have any kind of confident player development situation there. So I'll, so. I'll take the finished product. Okay. Fair enough. Um, don't forget to like and subscribe, everybody. We, you know, this is our this is our spot up top where we uh, definitely employ you to uh, click, that, uh, click that thumb, hit that like button, and make sure you subscribe to the Winners and Winers YouTube channel and the Max Wagers Network uh, YouTube channel where eventually all of our content is going to be, especially our live shows. So make sure you check that out as well. Check out our friends over there at DraftKings doing a cool promotion for Major League Baseball. Bet $5 on any Moneyline game. If you win it, you get it, receive an extra $200 bump there in free bets. Scott, that's a hell of a deal. Of course, it's only available in states where DraftKings is available. Make sure you check your local listings. Must be 21 to play, except in New Hampshire and Wyoming. We do have the code... And the link in the show description. So make sure you check that out as well. Scott, what are we going on going on with Caesars? So for Caesars, they still have the risk-free bet up to eleven hundred dollars. So if you place a first-time bet up to eleven hundred dollars and it loses, you get the entire amount back in the form of a free bet. So it consider it insurance on your initial wager. Okay. That's that's kind of exa exactly what that is. Uh David Good looking for Nerfies. Looking for Nerfies tonight, buddy. Uh, Miami, Washington, I think is a uh, is a good landing spot for a Nerfie. Seattle, Tampa Bay, also a good landing spot for a Nerfie. Baltimore Yankees, don't hate that one. Scott, what yeah. else you got? Well, I was going to say Baltimore Yankees. You got Lyles on the mound, which is concerning, but the Yankees, shout out to them, by the way, they finally scored another run in the first inning. 
over the weekend. It happened once. They've scored twice in the first inning. Both of them two-run homers by Rizzo. Very nice. That's the only that's the only uh, run they've had in the first inning. It's just two separate home runs by Rizzo. So they're still not doing much offensively. Severino's been good. We know the Orioles are not a good offensive team, but they were okay against the Angels over the weekend. Uh, the Angels pitching we know is not very good. But uh, to go down the line, I didn't do enough research on the actual weather. So I'm going to have to uh, take a quick look at that. But just based on the actual pitching matchups here, I don't mind the A's and the Giants. Uh, for, it's going to be a decent amount of juice, but Jeffries has been pretty good. And Radon, we know, is very good. But I definitely see a couple of scoreless innings to start there. Also, don't mind uh, Sandoval against McKenzie in that Guardians and Angels matchup. Both those pitchers have been pretty good up to this point. I think you might see no run first inning there, too. If you like a Yurfi, I'm going to talk to you about the Kansas City Royals and the Chicago White Sox as Lynch goes against Keuchel. Uh, we've made a lot about how bad Keuchel has been, but uh, Daniel Lynch has been no party either for the Royals. So Lynch is a righty or a lefty? Lefty. That's what I thought. Yeah, he's got the White Sox against the lefty. Yep, yep. You got the White Sox against the lefty there. Uh, well, something has to give. White Sox lost seven straight. Royals have lost four straight. So I said I didn't like this White Sox team. Uh, they're Larusa is wearing out his welcome a little bit early, don't you think? Uh, you ready to fire him? Ready? To no, it's Bob, way too early for that. Uh, no, it's Melvin. not Bob Melvin. Okay, yeah, come on. All right, but. I am curious if they're hovering around 500 at around the All-Star break. And you're in an awful division. The AL Central's gotten better, but it's still not very good nope. in the grand scheme of things. Nope. Do you fire Larusa around the All-Star break if you're around 500? Nope. You sure don't. You think you just let it ride? Yep. Because, well, for starters, I think 500 is going to be competitive in that division at the All-Star break. So I don't, okay. think, I don't, think, you're, I don't think you're out of anything. If you're 500 in the NL West... You know, maybe you need to make a change. You're, if you're 500 in the AL Central, you're probably five games back or less. That was my favorite bet in the AL Central. Got the under wins on the White Sox. So, so far, so good. It was ridiculous. What, it was uh, 92, 93, where was it? 92 and a half. Yeah, there you go. They only won like 92 last year. And I figured that the pitching staff doesn't really look as good as it did last year. Mm -hmm. The rotation's been a mess up to this point. Keuchel's been even worse than we thought he was going to be. Yep. And the lineup has been good but a little bit streaky. And injuries. And we'll, yeah, and injuries haven't helped. I know Jimenez got injured. I don't know how long he's going to be out for, but yeah, 92 and a half for a team that kind of puts it on autopilot every now and then and doesn't really seem to be fully invested in actually winning a bunch of games in the regular season. I question the actual focus of that team under La Russa for the entire season. And so far, it looks like they're not that focused. Agreed. Uh, Lex Steele likes the Rockies' first five and full game behind Herman Marquez okay. uh, going up against Zach Eflin. Alan, I think you... I'm going to stay away because Marquez has always been a pretty jarring home road splits guy. Yep. Yep. Very good in cores, awful everywhere else. Yep. And we, and... we just talked about that on Chris's show, the fact that he's a, a master of cores, which is a weird thing. But, yeah. And I had a good read on that game yesterday. I said I like the Phillies' team total over. Uh, they got to... Freeland early, they got to the bullpen often, and they scored, I believe it was eight runs in that game. Yeah, I think that 8-2 is where that ended. I think so. It was either 8-2 or 10-2. They scored a lot of runs, so that's all that matters. But I think I'm going to actually lean to the over in this one. I like Marquez, but I got to look at the home road splits, and Eflin, I think, is okay. Eight's a little bit short. I know, once again, it's pretty tough to take overs in today's baseball, but there's a lot of groundwork there to take an over. Yep, there is. Um... All right, let's find out what happened yesterday, Scott. Let's take a look 
at yesterday's winners and yesterday's whiners. You know who you are. There were some good picks, there were some bad picks, and there were some bad beats indeed. Let's find out which camp you are in as we reveal the Tuesday edition of Call the Cops. All right, very good. Hey, uh... All right, let's take a look in the NBA, Scott. I don't know if you were uh, familiar with this game or not, but uh, if you had the Nets team total under 110.5 going up against Boston, uh, Brooklyn just needed to score less than 33 points in the fourth quarter. That shouldn't be hard. They had been pretty much underwhelming the entire game, but Durant, never say die with this guy, Scott. He's a gamer. He's still out there gaming with uh, 3.4 seconds left. He nailed a three-pointer. And the Nets, oh, they finished with 112. Sorry, guys, if you had the team total under, so close, but call the cops. And sticking with the New York team, if you had the Mets and Cardinals under 6.5 or the Cardinals' money line in mm. this game, you had two runs in the first eight innings. Cardinals were up 2 nothing. Mets had two outs. And then, well, the rally happened because the Mets scored five runs in the top of the ninth, and the game ended 5-2. to two. That total seven. That is rough. Two outs, two strikes, ground ball to third. Error. Error. Arenado cannot handle it. Can't really. He's going Arenado, to. Arenado, more like Arenado. Am I right? Tip your waitress, people. He can't get the ball out of his glove in a timely fashion. He has to throw off balance and sailed it over the first baseman's head. And that was it. Uh, that was pretty much all she wrote, Scott. That was just made it two to one. But uh, Gallegos. Just fell apart after that. Yeah, I think the Mets got the next like five guys on base. It was really just a bullpen implosion. Yep, it was it was awful. Gallegos just couldn't get that third strike. O o two count, two outs with a two mm. two run lead. Can't get home. Five runs on the top of the night. <clears throat> Brutal. Rough. Brutal. Hey, if you had the Giants team total under two and a half against the Brewers, they had zero runs in the first two innings, and then they said, "Hey, hey, first seven innings. Our first seven innings. What did I say? Two? Yeah, first seven yeah. innings. Sorry, Giants scored two in the eighth, two in the ninth. The game ends up four to two. Congratulations if you had the Giants team total under two and a half. Call the cops. Then the Brewers are ever going to start scoring runs? Not this year. I, I leaned to the Giants yesterday solely based on the travel spot and the fact the Brewers couldn't score. I don't even know if it was travel related. The Brewers offense was just awful. And then the bullpen, which was so taxed for being used for pretty much the entirety of that Philly series, just ran out of gas. Yeah, they, they pretty much used up Hader. And, yeah. Uh, that's what you got to worry about with him. So there was some good news out there. These are the people that had it right. They had it capped correctly. No bout a doubt it, as I used to say when I was young. Scott, you know who you were. You had those nice, easy plays, and you were sitting in the rocking chair. So first one, if you ended up having the Raptors plus 8.5 against the 76ers, I know we ended up liking the Raptors plus the 8.5. They led by 13 at the half, and they won by 15. We're going to get back to that game in a little bit because I think we have to have a discussion about it. Okay, good enough. Hey, if you have the Mavericks minus three against the Jazz, no problemo. They had led by 16 at halftime, and they kept their foot on the gas pedal. They ended up winning by 25. Congratulations to the Mavs. That was my play of the day. I think Utah shot three for 30 from the three-point line last night. It was not pretty. Brutal. Brutal. And that's going to segue us into the third one, because if you had the under in that game between the Jazz and the Mavericks at 212, 
You had 88 points in the first half. Utah scored less than 40 in the first half. And the game landed 179. Utah did not even get to 80. Yikes. Yikes. Rough. Not good at all. All right. Well, we're going to talk about this, Scott, because we could have we could have put this uh, in so many places. We could have put it in, uh, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. Um, we could have put it in the gambling hero of the day for the other team. But uh, I think it probably fits best here. The odds makers, uh, they usually do a pretty good job. But sometimes you got to wonder, are you guys drinking a little bit? Because when it comes to this series, the odds makers, whoo-hoo, baby, they were drunk. I will definitely let you have the honor with this one, sir. So just to, well, mention something I mentioned previously. Uh, the Nets initially opened up as a favorite over Boston on one particular book. I think it might have been a couple, but I know one book went rogue. I'm not going to mention them because they might be a sponsor of the show. But anyway, uh, the Nets were the favorites in one of these books, and they got absolutely pounded uh, because Boston was definitely the play that a lot of people, public sharps, loved for that series. And the Nets went from being the favorites to being swept. So, yeah, if you laid money with the Nets, I don't know what you were thinking, but if you got plus money with the Celtics, it does not get much easier than that because they did not lose a game. It was a really, it was a really weird series, Scott. We talked about that yesterday, and this is, and this is the reason that I took the, the Nets because all three games had been relatively close. There was two of them at seven, one of them at one. Last night ended at five. So I don't know that I've seen a series like that where every game has been competitive but yet you kind of felt watching them like one team really didn't have much of a chance it was just kind of well, the Nets never led it was a wire to wire job so they kept it somewhat close but when you're never actually tied after the 0-0 starting score I don't exactly consider that to be a, a relatively close game I know it was one possession late Durant missed the free throw there's a lot of stuff going on there but the fact that the Nets were favored on one particular book is absurd and that tells you once again that even though odds makers usually know what they're doing, occasionally they fall asleep at the wheel. Yep, absolutely, absolutely correct. Sometimes the loss mitigation department just uh, takes a powder, takes a little or a bit of an early lunch there. So, yeah. All right, bud. Uh, what else on your mind? Uh, well, we got to talk briefly about what's going on in the Toronto Philly series because it's a situation a lot of people are focused on, particularly Twitter. Because it might explode if it happens, but we got to talk about it. Okay. Are they going to blow a 3 nothing lead? I, I, the fr- it, it's starting to look possible. I know you're on that narrative. I, I know you're kind of... I think lo- it's going to happen. Looking for that to happen. I think it's going to happen. And lay out your logic there behind that thought, sir. I was extremely concerned. Forget about the Doc River stuff for, for a second. I was extremely concerned once Embiid ended up getting injured. Right. And I was worried because Maxi was looking great in the first couple games. Harden can't move at all. If you watch Harden play, he can't create any separation. He has no lift on his jump shot. There's a serious problem going on with Harden. I'm assuming he's injured. He might need surgery during the offseason. But Tobias Harris has been okay. Maxi was 5 for 14 yesterday. He had a couple of good moments. But for the most part, now I'm going to bring in the Doc Rivers element to it. So the main concern initially was Embiid's injury because he was an, a, I'd say a 
realistic MVP candidate. He's not going to win, but he had it. He was that valuable to the team. Right. Now you bring in Doc Rivers. How do you no show a home game in game five after blowing a 3-1 lead last year? How does that happen? Kind of seems to be a thing, doesn't it? it? It's been the case for Rivers' entire career, which is why I think he's the most overrated coach of all time. He's blown three separate 3-1 leads. But the aspect of Rivers I want to talk about, I just don't – It's losing to Toronto is one thing. You know, Toronto plays hard. Van Vliet's out, I get it, but they still play good defense, they play hard. How do you not even show up for a home game in Game 5? Yeah, that was the, that was the biggest surprise to me, because that's the advantageous spot right there. You're at home, like you said, you're missing, you're missing Van Vliet. And they completely, pretty much no-showed that game, Scott. They, well, they end up losing by 15. Yeah, the first quarter was close. On a podcast, I had Raptors first quarter, LA plus 160, which got there. Then they scored 14 points in the second quarter. They were down double digits at the half. They cut it to single digits briefly in the third quarter, and I think for part of the fourth quarter. And then the Raptors ended up putting him to bed. I just don't know how you no-show that home game after choking last year. I think it's serious alarm bells, DEFCON 2 right now. If they lose game six, it's DEFCON 1. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, Super Sly, I think, says what we're all thinking, that if they lose game six, they're in a world of trouble. Even, yeah. though, even though they go back home. But, you know, that Philly crowd, they'll turn on you. They'll turn on you in a heartbeat if things aren't going your way. And that would be a prime spot uh, if they get off to a slow start there. I, I believe there is no home home court advantage until they, until they uh, get it close, you know? I, I guess my argument with the counter is what is Doc Rivers supposed to do? Because you can blame the coach right. for not getting the players motivated. Which you have, but apparently. And, yeah. Well, no, I, I mentioned that for the motivation aspect, but when it comes to the X's and O's, Embiid's definitely feeling the finger issue. We've seen it the last couple of games. He does not look anywhere near as dominant as he did early on in the series. Right. Harden can't move. He's shooting about 38% from the floor in the series, so he's almost useless offensively. Still a good facilitator, but shooting-wise, it has not been pretty. Maxie's been a bit of a non-factor. Tobias Harris has been okay. And I guess my question is, if you're Doc Rivers, what adjustments can you make if Embiid's just not going to dominate the way you need him to dominate? Yeah, you can't. You you can't. Make, there are you have. I don't know what Rivers is supposed to do. Yeah, you're. It's like playing chess, and you're down to you know your knight and your rook. There just isn't much you can do. Or you know, I guess in more apt uh, comparison would be. Uh, you're down to your queen and your rook, and that's it. Yeah, you've got just, no other pieces. You're missing a huge chess piece. You're down a rook, and I'm not. I'm also not going to compare Doc Rivers to Magnus Carlson, but I'm saying if you're a mediocre chess player and you're down a piece, if you're against a confident player, you're probably going to lose with that game about ninety percent of the time. Yep, and that's and that's kind of how this is how this is looking. And you know, and and props uh, to Nick Nurse there and the Toronto team getting down three nothing. They didn't quit. Never say die. No, it's the, it was the kind of the exact opposite of what we saw from the Nets as the Nets went down three nothing, and you knew it was over. You knew there was no comeback on the horizon. And you know all of the pressures on Philly. Toronto's oh, yeah. just playing with house money. Yeah, there's there's no question at all. Uh, looking in the comment section, there seems to be a consensus that. The 76ers, I'll, I'll put it nicely. I'll put it the the non-profane version. Uh, they could be in a bit of trouble, Scott. Yeah. The way that I see it, I think they're going to lose in Toronto. So I do like Toronto. I know they're underdogs right now for game six. I think they're going to win. Game seven is 
It's just a repeat of what happened with Atlanta last year. They're going to show up. You know that they're going to be extremely tight. You know that they're going to be extremely nervous. And if Toronto gets off to another good first quarter start, yep. Philly's going to fold because we've seen it before. I would I would load up on the live plays there. If Philly, if Philly gets a lead, pound it. I mean, I mean, saying, if, if I mean, if Toronto gets if Toronto gets a lead, yeah, lay that number, lay the number. If you're looking at series prices, I know it's not fifty to one anymore, <laughs> but Toronto's around plus six hundred. Yep, I think that's a hell of a price. Yeah, it's better. It's better than you're going to get rolling to parlay ro- rolling Toronto field. twice. Because well, what, what would Philly be favored in Game Seven? I got to assume they'd be favored by four and a half. Maybe. I mean, maybe. They were favored by. They were favored by eight and a half yesterday. That's not happening again. Uh, favored by. Well, I got, yeah, I got seven, seven and a half, seven and a half, and four and a half. Okay. The opening game was four and a half. They win by twenty. So then the odds adjusted after that yeah. back to seven and a half or so. So. Philly's uh, going to be favored at home in Game Seven. Yeah, I mean it's got to be in the four and a half to five and a half range. I would think. So if you take the money line version of that, which is probably Toronto plus two hundred, maybe close. Yeah. Yep. And you parlay that with Toronto basically at even money on an open parlay for game six, you're much better off taking the plus 600. Yep. Very good. Um, that's, and usually that's not the case. You're usually going to get a little better price doing the rollover parlay, but because it's just two games and you're not getting that massive a price. You want to look for a future parlay. I don't mind throwing Raptors series with something. No. See what you can do. Turn, turn a little bit of money into potentially a lot of money, but I do think the Raptors will force seven. And I'll take my chances with Philly showing up for a game seven. See what we started with the chess talk here? Like, like steel checking in said, unless you practice the art of sacrifice and give up your queen on purpose. Uh, That's more of the Botez gambit, but I'm not a, I'm not a proponent of that one. Are you a chess if you know, geek? If you know who those people are. Are you a chess geek now? I follow it. I can't say I'm, I'm great at it. I'm fine. I'm like a 1200, 1300. I don't really play that much, but yeah, I follow. I think it's I think it's intri- it's entertaining for me. You just started playing, right? Uh yeah, I dabble. I've been playing for probably a couple months. Okay, very good. Uh Harden Simmons trade was an exchange of garbage. <laughs> well, that was one point that a lot of Harden fanboy Twitter accounts were making. Are you sure Harden, you know, wasn't the problem or was the problem or whatever? If the Nets still had Harden, they still would have lost the series. Like what are we talking about? They weren't going to be Boston anyway. Because if you're looking at the situation of the Nets keeping their original roster, then Seth Curry, who had 23 points yesterday, is not on your team. And Harden can't move. He can't guard anybody. And his shooting numbers are atrocious. So even with Harden on that team, they're still losing to Boston. Yeah, I agree. I, agree. I don't think it changes anything. Yeah, unless for some reason he wouldn't have suffered whatever malady he has, um, as long as he's got that problem. That ain't changing regardless of what uniform he's got on. Yeah. Uh, Peter Wolf says he loves Toronto. Says my all-time greatest hit. Uh, I was on Virginia and the Raptors for plus 8,500 in 2019 when everybody was drunk on Zion. Nice. Yeah. That's a good hit. Defense, baby. Uh, Harden is washed. Scott, do you believe that's true? I think he needs massive surgery during the offseason that he's not talking about. Will he ever be uh, – what percentage of the player he once was will he what, – what's what's the, the goal? 90%, 80%? Realistic goal? Yeah. 60. Okay. I, I think you're looking at a spot where his legs are completely shot. And he's still a great passer. He still can get to the foul line a lot. But if you want to talk about what his style of play will be, 
it's going to mimic Chris Paul. He's not going to be able to create much separation. He's going to have to abuse the pick and roll, and he's going to have to average about 11 assists per game. It, that's what you're looking at. And Chris Paul, we know, is a much better defender. But if you want to talk about Harden's leg issues for the last couple of years, he definitely needs surgery. He actually cannot move out there. Do we have a final word on Van Vliet yet? I've still got him questionable. Do you have an update on that? I'm assuming he's done because he ripped his jersey up. I'm, he looked like he injured a hamstring. I'm assuming he's probably done. Uh, we'll see. There are also some arguments that the, the Raptors might be better without him. I don't know if I agree or disagree with that, but I will tell you that Toronto uses a much more length when Van Vliet's not on the court. And defensively, I think they are a lot better with Van Vliet off the court. It's not Van Vliet's fault that he's six feet tall, but right. they have a lot of length and a lot of size. And from what you can tell from what happened in game five, Toronto was the more physical team and they just completely wore down Philly over those 48 minutes. Well, we, when we talked about that yesterday, about being absent Van Vliet actually makes Toronto a little bit of a defensive squad. So, yeah. no no question about it. And I, I mentioned uh, this what happened. It wasn't a hamstring, sorry. It was a hip issue for Van Vliet. But we'll see what the story is. I'm assuming he might tough it out for Game 7. If they get there, I doubt he'll play Game 6. But I mentioned it when Harden got traded. A huge reason why the Nets traded him was because Harden was a free agent. He was not going to re-sign with Brooklyn. So they got something for him, and whoever picked up the Harden trade would basically be in line to automatically re, uh, re-sign him because you gave up a huge all-star caliber player, a couple of role players. If Harden ends up getting this max extension, which he's in line for, it will be the worst contract in the entire league, and it will be year one. Yeah, This contract is an albatross. It's not even a ticking time bomb. You set the timer at one minute. It's over. The second that you sign this contract and you pay Harden about $50 million a year, your team's championship window is officially shut for the duration of the entire contract. Yeah, he's making 44 this year, Scott. It will be the worst contract, arguably, in the history of the sport. And somebody's going to pay it. Okay. Uh, Do you think somebody won't pay it? No, I. They will because they they're gonna have they'll have the money and they'll spend it. But I I agree. I don't know. They'll be the the worst history at all time. Worst contract at all time. It's gonna be up there. It's gonna be up there for sure. Uh, Andrew compared him to Kemba. Do you see that? You see that comp? Uh, comparing who? Harold Harden. Harden. I'm saying the con the contract. No, where they just cut, the injuries. No, where they just cut, kind of fell off the cliff. I think that the only similarity is the debilitating leg issues, but stylistically, at least Harden's still a great passer. He has some value to some degree as a distributor, which Kemba's not exactly known for. Kemba was a shooting guard playing point guard. You know, that's, that's realistically what he was. You know how old Harden is? Right now, yeah. 30, what is he, 35? 32. See, I was guessing I was guessing 34, and I, I just looked it up. So somebody will definitely pay him them. Yeah, yeah, I thought, I thought, he, was, I thought he was in the mid-30 range because, I, 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 you know, he's been around forever. It will be a disastrous contract. Imagine this, but like two, three years down the road when Harden's crawling and he might quit on his team. David Good says only 44 million <laughs> slave wages. How could, you, how could you even get out of bed for 44 million, Scott? God. In this economy? Uh, I don't know. Well, you know, gas is high. So Yeah, it is high. Avoc yeah. Avocados have gone up again, so... You gotta have Once again, money. I'm not going to blame Harden for getting injured. It's not his fault that he played so many minutes over the years that it caught up with him. But I'm being realistic. Somebody's going to pay him a bunch of money because he's James Harden. Yep. And he is already 
a shell of his former self, and it can only get worse from here. David Good says James Harden is sixty-one. <laughs> yeah, said he thirty-two looked, really caught me off. Guard. Said he looks forty. Yeah, I agree. I I totally agree. But that's. Uh, I also don't know how many years he played at Arizona State though, because uh, now nowadays you can look at the age and it goes, wow, everyone's so young, and it's like, wait a second, this guy's twenty-nine. He's been in the league for ten years. Yeah, because everyone's in college for one year, so. I think I care more about the actual minutes than I care about how many years you've been in the league. And Harden's played a bunch of minutes. Well, he was drafted in 2009, so that's 13 years ago. So that would put him at 19. So yeah, That's he, what I thought. He played he played one year at Arizona State. Yep. And it's also about minutes in the regular season. Harden's made the playoffs about every year. So there's been a lot of extra mileage over the years. And his legs appear to have finally broken down. Well, a little, uh, uh, four, 14 years in the NBA. That's a career. Yeah, absolutely. He's 32 years old. It's crazy. Nathan Stern says, I'm 34 and I look way younger. Must be the beard. Yeah, yeah. that's that. That's it, buddy. Uh, plus, you're not out there, uh, you're not out there banging two or three times a week, six months out of the year against. So I'm going to ask, though, are you going to bet Toronto plus 600? Because I, I feel like you kind of have to. Yeah. I, I, even, yeah, even with Van Vliet gone, that, that, that'd be the only thing that would scare me. But they showed they could win the last one without Van Vliet. And it wasn't even close. No, no, it wasn't. The defense did their job, and yeah, I think I think that's a solid play at plus six hundred. I, I don't know how you I don't know how you get away from that. The only thing that can save the Nets in the media cycle is James Harden losing a three nothing lead. That's the only thing that can save the Nets in the media cycle. Yeah, good point. Good point. Um, all right, bud. Let's take a look at uh, tonight's games and uh, before we get before we get rolling and. Uh, reveal our uh, our favorite play of the day and uh, spoiler alert we do have a play from one of those games so let's talk about uh, a couple of the other ones scott yeah new orleans phoenix phoenix six and a half point favorites 214 and a half is the number there i'm talked about it uh earlier i like the way this new orleans defense is played they've uh they they haven't they're, they're not a lockdown defense but they do enough just to frustrate the other team and uh, and keep them from uh, from doing exactly what they want to. Uh, I basically have no confidence in this Phoenix team without Booker. Scott, you? We have the same exact play of the day. Okay. Mine, mine came out first, so take okay. that. I know. We already went through this. You pre Yeah, whatever. Point <laughs> is, we both like New Orleans. Okay. This line's disrespectful. I think these teams are even. And from what I've seen in the last couple of games, they are definitely even. Yeah. And maybe it's just me. It seems like home court advantage doesn't really matter that much anymore. Did you get that feeling? There's a lot of road wins going around. Yeah. Well, certainly, it certainly has been the case in uh, in in the playoffs for sure that the uh, the home court advantage hasn't been as substantial. So now, uh, in this one. It's been it's been uh, two and one for the for the home team. So, uh, okay. excuse me. Uh, yeah, two and two and one or three and one rather. Sorry, home team home teams won three out of four. So, no, home teams won two out of four. Wait a minute. Uh, game one. Pelicans won game two and they lost game three. Oh, you're right, you're right, right. I was I was matching them up wrong there on the grid. Sorry. But yep. the point is, is that Booker is the, of course, the most important offensive player on the Suns because you're looking at Brandon Ingram. The Suns can't guard. He's averaging 30 points per game in the series with great efficiency. And Booker was your guy who could go toe-to-toe with Ingram and cancel out Ingram's production. Right. Now you don't have that. And if you watch Phoenix play, they can still win the series, 
but every possession is a massive struggle because they don't have many guys that can a create their own shot and b really make a bunch of difficult shots they just don't have that no and you know and booker was their three-point guy and they don't have anybody that this team is shooting terribly from from beyond the arc and the three games without booker I think they've shot like twenty-seven and a half percent from from downtown. That you're is going through the weapons. Who do they have? Well, right. That's that's the thing. They don't. They don't have. They don't really. And they don't have anybody that can shoot a three, Scott. And, and I don't know who you blame for that. Is that just bad roster makeup at this point? I can't really blame it on anybody because your best player got hurt. I, I can't blame a GM or a head coach for not having more depth. Way. I mean, they won. They won sixty-seven games. Okay, they they were the one seed and they had the best record in the league by a wide margin. I can't criticize the team for not being able to overcome the absence of a top twenty player in the league, who's also their best player. It's just unfortunate. It sucks, but I got to live with the situation, which is that New Orleans is being disrespected. Yeah, the series should be a coin flip. They're plus two seventy to win the series. This doesn't make any sense. Yep, I agree. I think that's a, I think that's another good series price. Now that's a, that's a situation where you can, you're probably going to be to being able to play a rollover parlay, or if you want to just potentially parlay the Raptors one with the Pelicans one, I don't mind that either. But I think the series is going seven. I, I don't think Phoenix is winning game uh, game five and game six. Do you? No, I do not. I think it's I think it's, I think this one goes seven. Or I think New Orleans could win tonight. Or the Pelicans take care of it early. Yep. I think Phoenix will find a way to get it done at home, but this is not going to be pretty. Ingram over on points. I like the over yeah, at 26 and a half. He's been walking into 30 every game. Yep. I agree. I agree with that. Um, what's our other one there? Um, I like the first half under in that game, by the way, I would like the full game under, but these scramble points in the final f- couple minutes of the sun series have been a disaster, but the first halves have been disgusting. Yeah. I think you'll see a very low-scoring start to this game. Because if you look at how the Suns play, they cannot go quickly. With Booker out of the lineup, just keep an eye on the shot clock every time Phoenix has the ball. There's like six seconds on the shot clock every possession. Yeah, before they start, before they really start their offensive set, they it goes down well below 10 seconds. Yeah, you're right, usually in the, in the six to seven second range before they run any kind of a play. So, yeah. Um, Minnesota, Memphis, Scott. I ended up losing a play on this series earlier uh, for the last game. I had the Timberwolves team total under, and they shot 50% from three and attempted 40 free throws. And you see the numbers, 40 free throw attempts, and they go 18 of 36 from the three-point line. My question for you is, if your team had those stats, how much do you think your team wins by? Yeah. Double digits? Yeah, I was going to say 12 to 15 minimum. They won by one. Yeah. How did that happen? They they just could they couldn't keep their foot on their throat on the on on the foot of the Grizzlies. They let them keep coming back, man. For me, I'm going with the Grizzlies in this one. Even though I recognize that the Grizzlies have looked underwhelming, mostly Ja, who's been awful in this entire series. But Minnesota shot so well from the floor. And they still barely won the game. I'm extremely concerned about Minnesota's awful shot selection and just their stupidity. They turn the ball over a bunch. They make a lot of careless mistakes. They played basically a perfect game in game four, and they barely won. I think that it makes a lot of sense for 
law of averages to come back into play where Minnesota suddenly misses a bunch of shots that they made last game. Patrick Beverly went three for four, four for five from three. That's not going to happen. He entered the game shooting 17%. Like, that's not going to happen. I'll lean Grizzlies. No chance I'm playing it. No chance at all. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the same way. I'm, uh, I'm a lot more sure about the under. I think, yeah. the, I, th- I think the referees make some adjustments after that, after that disparity in free throws. I like the team total under for Minnesota. Yeah, that's a solid play as well. I think, I think either one of those works. So, all right, very good, my friend. Anything else before we uh, get out of here? Uh, yes, uh, I actually also like the Suns team total under. I believe that was at. I'm trying to remember if it was one ten and a half or one oh nine and a half. It's too high. I just mentioned how the Suns are so deliberate with their offensive sets. The pace in this game will be non-existent. So I like the team total under there. Also, if you want uh, probably the best value play on the entire board, not for the series prices, but for the actual games tonight, Pelicans third quarter money line. It's plus 134. Explain this to me. The Pelicans plus 134 in the third quarter. They have outscored the Suns by at least nine points in the third quarter in each of the first four games in the series. They are plus 134. They've won the third quarter by nine plus in every game. Sounds solid. How does that make sense? Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's one of those inefficiencies that the average better isn't going to find because you're, you know, you're not going to go back and look at third quarter numbers. So give me Pelicans third quarter on principle. I have to play that. Okay. All right. Very good. Well, guys, let's get to it. It is Tuesday. It is that time. Put on your overalls, put on your straw hat, and uh, climb aboard your John Deere. Pull out your lucky keychain, because once again, kids, you know what time it is. It is time to bet the farm. All right, Scott, not so lucky yesterday, but uh, I know we got something cooked up for today. What do you got, sir? So I mentioned team totals, and we're going to go back to one, the game we didn't talk about, between the Hawks and the Heat. We're going to take the Hawks, team total, under 105.5. Atlanta offensively has been an absolute disaster in the series. The Hawks are averaging just 98.3 points per game up to this point, and they still had the huge outlier at home where they scored 30-something points in the fourth quarter in the one game they won. Main reason why this team has been awful is because the Heat have completely shut down Trey Young who has been atrocious in this entire series. He's averaging just 16.5 points per game while shooting 35.1% from the floor and 21.2% from three. Disgusting. Not good. Just absolutely awful. But it also goes back to the fact that Atlanta, with Young struggling, they really don't have much of a supporting cast. They have Bogdanovich. They have a half-injured Collins and Gallinari. Am I forgetting somebody, or is that basically it? That's unfortunately that's basically it. Yeah. So they don't have many options if Trey Young's going to struggle. On top of that, Miami is one of the slowest teams in the league. Miami ranks 29th in pace. Atlanta ranks 19th. So I expect to see a pretty, I'd say, slow game in the half court. And the under is five and zero in the last five meetings. We expect Miami to put the clamps down at home and the series. Atlanta also might roll over if this game gets ugly early. But as long as you keep Trey Young in check. Atlanta's offense is going to be a mess, and we think Miami keeps Trae Young in check once again. There you go. 
All right. So uh, we definitely like the team total under 105.5 for the Atlanta Hawks. That's going to do it for the farm. That's going to do it for the show. We appreciate you guys, as always, stopping by. Don't forget to smash those buttons, like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Let's go make some money tonight, Scott. You ready? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. All right. You guys have a great day. As always, thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to check us out tomorrow, same time, 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central. Scott and I will do our very best to help you in that never-ending journey to head back to the window. Take care, everybody. We'll see you then.